Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad that you joined us for worship today at TWC. Uh, We got a couple of quick announcements before we dive in um, to the rest of the service today. We've got something a little special planned uh, for us. And so, uh, first and foremost, if you are a guest with us today, uh, you've never filled out a connection card, I would encourage you to reach in the seat back pocket in front of you, uh, fill out as much information on that card uh, as as you would like to give. I swear to you, we will not sell it. We will not robocall your house. Uh, We just want to have a way to be able to connect uh, with you. And um, if you don't want to sit there and fill out that card, uh, there is a lovely number here on the screen where you can text and fill out a digital connection card. Uh, That gives us another way to be able to connect with you. Now here at TWC, we want to be a church that gives, um, a church that gives to the Lord to to allow for his work to be done here. And yes, to be done joyfully. I appreciate the, the hoops and hollers every single week as we talk about giving. Now there are multiple ways here uh, that we can give to the work that God has us doing in and through this church. Uh, you can drop uh, your tithes and offerings in one of the giving boxes there in the back. You can go online to our church website. You can even text the number there on the screen, uh, or you can mail it in, and we can take care of that for you. Now, outside of, of giving and welcoming our guests, we have a couple of cool things that are coming our way. Uh, so first and for- foremost, if you are a guy in here, uh, we have a men's breakfast that is coming up on December 5th. Um, it's going to happen at 8.30 in the morning right downstairs. Uh, it's going to be a time of fellowship. Uh, there's going to be a devotional challenge for us. And we're going to be talking to you about all of the things that are coming for our men's ministry, launching, kicking off in uh, the new year, 2022. So you want to be here. Uh, make sure you don't miss it. Um, if you have a friend who you don't see here today, you make sure you let them know. Make sure, guys, you need to be there. It's going to be a great time. Now, outside of that, though, um, ladies, if you are a lady in here, we are doing a Christmas um, gathering, get-together here on December 17th. It's a Friday night at 6.30. Um, Liz Chambers and my wife, Brianna, um, are going to be hosting this event. It's going to be a fun time. I believe they like there's going to be food, um, and like you guys are decorating Christmas cookies and like all the goodies so then you, my wife can bring them home and I can eat them. Um, and so uh, make, sure, make sure that you guys are here um, for that 6.30 Friday night. Um, there's going to be a sign-up sheet available because uh, there's going to be food. We want to make sure that we have enough uh, for that as well. Um, now, outside of that, I believe, um, is our candlelight service. Now, I know the last couple of weeks, uh, we haven't had an opportunity to really un- unpack the candlelight service for you. So, um, December 19th, we're going to be doing something a little bit differently. It's a Sunday, and I know typically we would gather here at 10.30 a.m. for worship. But uh, this year, we are actually not having a morning service on December 19th. I know, crazy, it's weird, but it's really not. So what we're going to do is we're going to gather here on the 19th in the evening at 6 p.m. We're going to have a candlelight service that's going to be all blacked out. The whole building is going to be decorated. It's going to be a time for, uh, for families. It's going to have a lot of fun. Uh, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time as we're challenged and encouraged in God's word Um, as we celebrate the birth of Christ. Uh, And I know there's not a slide for it yet, uh, but I want to uh, just let you know that in the coming weeks, uh, we're launching a brand new series here in December um, called The Carols of Christmas. Uh, And this year, I'm going to be talking to you about where some of our Christmas carols came from, how they came straight out of the Word of God, 
And what can we learn about the gospel from them? And so you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, make sure that you're here uh, coming in. Like we've got one more week of this series, Engage, uh, Embracing the Journey of Discipleship. And we're going to be launching right into Christmas. Um, and I'm so excited because we're decorating this week. And so next week when you guys get here, there will be Christmas decorations everywhere. And I'm so excited about it. Uh, but if you would, please turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew chapter 28. A familiar passage to those of you who have been in church any length of time. Now this is a passage of scripture where we know that um, chronologically Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And, and he's giving really a final charge to the disciples who are with him. It's a, a place in your Bible may be labeled as the Great Commission. I want to read to us just a few verses and give us a brief challenge. And what's going to happen today is uh, we've actually invited um, a few uh, uh, missionaries here, a missionary couple and their, their children to come. They're going to come and share a little bit about what God has laid on, um, on their heart by way of a calling. And, and before we get there, though, I want to challenge us as a church. So we know already from the last two weeks of this series that we, we see that missions uh, was not a word that was talked about uh, in the Bible. There was no mission conferences to encourage or spur people on to get them to do the work of Christ. The apostles and, and the disciples of that day were called out and we saw that they were gripped by this message of the gospel. We saw that in week number one. We saw that there was nothing that was going to stop them. We talked briefly about how they even sacrificed their life for the gospel to go forth so other people could come to know this Jesus. Last week we talked about how those same people were guided by the Spirit. We've been in Acts chapter 1. But today, I want us to see what that challenge was and give us just a, a, a small picture about what it means to be missional. What it means to be missional. How do we engage into and embrace this journey of discipleship? So I want to start in, in uh, Matthew 28 in verse number 16. And now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which, God, uh, which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now I want to stop there for just a moment. The, the first thing that they did when they got on top of the mountain was worship. It says they saw him and they worshipped him. Church, I need you to understand, the very first thing I need you to know is that you will never, ever, ever be missional unless you learn to worship Christ. You will never be missional unless you learn to worship Christ. It's the very first thing that they did. They knew it was a necessity. They knew and so for us, our private and personal worship will be a reflection of what we see here every Sunday when we gather. If we walk into this building unprepared to cry out to God, if we walk into this building unprepared to sing praises to him, then we will stand here with our arms crossed or we'll have that blank deer in the headlights look when we're walking. We, can, we will never be missional unless we learn to worship Christ. Now let's continue on in, in verse number 18. And it says in, and yes, that would, that would have been a great spot for an amen. In verse number 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, in verse 19, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we're going to stop right there. And this is God's word for us today. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now, Lord, and we ask of you to help us see something new or fresh in this passage. Lord, help us to be revitalized and renewed in our spirit. Give us a fervor for wanting to be a disciple maker. Lord, help us, help us to see clarity in this passage. Help us to be encouraged uh, by this young couple who's going to be coming to the stage in just a moment as we hear their story and the passion for making disciples. Uh, so God, I pray that you would um, use this time that we have, that you would be glorified in, in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. We see here just a very brief command and, and challenge from Jesus before he's about to ascend. The disciples will no longer have him. Jesus is telling them all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. What was he telling them? He was saying, I am God. He was reminding them one last time that I, God, am giving you a challenge to go. Most people, though, stop there. They think the challenge really was to go. And so when they say, well, God didn't call me to go on the mission field, I don't, I don't really have to go. Where am I supposed to go? He didn't call me to go to some third world country to preach the gospel. But really what's missed here is the actual command of God was not really to go. The command of God was to make disciples. The command of God was to make disciples. He says here, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Here, in this life, as a believer of Jesus Christ, you will not ever make disciples, one, until you worship, but two, when you begin to worship, you begin to chase after the things that are on God's heartbeat. And the heartbeat of God is people, lost souls. Jesus himself said that I came not, not for the righteous, but for the, sinter, the sinners to come to repentance. And so Jesus' entire mission was to help the lost, the broken, the hurting come to know the saving grace that he gave. And so church, this morning, I have a question for you. For two weeks we have learned so much Already, from a very brief portion of Scripture about what it means to engage in discipleship. We've seen over and over and over again the need for prayer and relying on the Holy Spirit. We've seen the power that's been given to us. We've seen the command to go and make disciples. But I have a question for you, church. Who exactly are you investing in right now? Who are you trying to transfer knowledge and life and truth to? Who in your life right now, I don't need an answer, I don't need you to raise your hand, I don't need you to give me the name or names of those people. But the question is, who are you discipling? Who are you investing what you've been taught, what you've been given, and giving it to somebody else? We have an entire community here full of lost and hurting people. I gave you statistics on the first week of this series that we've had more deaths in the last year from drugs and alcohol in this community than in the last 50 years. There are, there are people who have no hope. None. And they're looking and they're lost. And we have hope. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have hope and as we saw last week, 1 Peter told us 
to be ready always to give an answer of the hope that is inside of you with meekness and fear. So my challenge to you this morning, church, very briefly before I hand the floor over, is this. A question that you need to answer. Why, if you're not, why are you not sharing hope with the people around you? Why are you not? And if you're not, let's go back to week number one where we stood at this altar and prayed over those small green cards about who was your one. Who is your one? Who's that one person, that one coworker, that one family member, or that one family maybe that you want to impact with the gospel's sake? The apostles of the first century would have left no stone unturned, no soul unkept. They would have shared the gospel and they did until their very last breath. Some, as they were being tortured, were still speaking truth because they were so gripped by the message and they were so guided by the Spirit that they wanted to go and make disciples. And so church, I've invited this young couple here, Nick and Erica Hemmer, and I'm going to invite you guys in just a moment to the stage. This young couple that I've had an opportunity to to sit and talk with and communicate with uh, multiple times over the last few months, a couple that I believe wholeheartedly understands what it means uh, to make disciples. Someone who is going to give up their life in, in, in comfort here in America to go overseas to invest in the lives of people who probably have never heard the gospel ever. People who don't even know the name Jesus. People who have been so gripped by the message. And they've been guided by the Spirit, our modern day picture of the first century. And so I want, I want you guys to take the next 20 minutes or so um, to listen to their message. I'm going to actually ask if, if Nick and Erica and their two sons would begin to make their way to the stage and begin to share with us the call that God has placed on their life, what they're doing, the, the things that they've had to endure thus far that's been preparing them to step onto foreign soil uh, in the coming months, um, in the coming days. And so... Um, many of you, um, anyone who's been here for any length of time may know uh, and remember Nick. Nick actually used to uh, attend church here prior, right, but prior to being in this building. Um, and so if you guys would please uh, welcome Nick and Erica Hemmerin uh, to the stage. Good morning. Yeah, like Pastor Josh said, we, I'm Erica, and this is Nick and Silas and Levi. Um, thank, you for <laughs> thank you for having us this morning. Um, it's really an honor for us to be here with you and really an answer to, to many prayers, too. Um, so, yeah, thank you for having us. Um, we are, um, like Josh said, a, a missionary family. Um, serving with Africa Inland Mission. 
we were um, appointed um, as missionaries about a year ago. Um, and so we've been doing a lot of work in the past year um, to prepare um, to move to East Africa. Um, but really, God um, got a hold of our hearts um, quite a few years ago. And so um, Nick will share with you this morning um, uh, our story, the story that God's been writing for us. And um, yeah, so I'll hand, hand it over to him. great to be with you guys this morning. Uh, thank you so much for, for having us and allowing us uh, to, share, to share with you what um, the journey that God has had us on um, and is, is keeping us on. Oh, much out there, buddy. Um, as Erica mentioned, um, I was part of this church uh, about eight years ago um, when it was first in a daycare center. Uh, and then I um, helped us move move in here and get this place ready. I have memories of uh, painting the the foyer out there, way up on a ladder, you know, reaching way up in the nooks and crannies there. So, uh, yeah, good, very good memories of this place. Um, I was at a time uh, that was at a time in my life where uh, I had. Great opportunity to uh, grow as a worship leader here, too. Uh, and, and that was just a very special time for me uh, and a special place um, here to be able to do that. Uh, something that God had been stirring my heart for um, as a teenager, um, leading, leading people in worship. So um, that was a really special time for me. Um, and just connecting with, with everyone here uh, and, growing and growing in my faith. Um, and this was a great community that I can look back uh, with fond memories on. Um, so, um, for the past, uh, so as Erica mentioned, um, about a year ago we were as appointed as missionaries with Africa Inland Mission. Um, and so, um, the past year we've been doing a lot of uh, preparation to move to East Africa and Kenya. Um, but the story, the story began um, at Hope College, where Erica and I met in Holland um, about 13 years ago. And uh, so we were there at the same time, and that's where the Lord started stirring our hearts for missions um, on uh, separately, uh, so individually. And uh, I came, I actually grew up in Sweden, um, but my dad is, is from Michigan, and I came over here to go to college when I was 20. And the first week in college, um, it was International Orientation Week. So um, I met a guy from Kenya, a native Kenyan guy, and we just became really good friends. And uh, he had this big white smile, um, really outgoing guy, really fun to be around. And uh, so we became really good friends. And his name was David. Um, he told me he wanted to be a missionary pilot. Uh, he said, you know, I'm going to go back to Kenya. I'm going to serve as a missionary pilot. Uh, and maybe some of you don't know what that is. I didn't know when he told me. Uh, and so I thought, man, that sounds really really intriguing, um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life at that point, uh, so I started um, praying into that, and I, um, 
considering that as a path for my own life as well. Um, and then it was through a series of events. I went to a, a missions conference um, during that first year at, at college uh, and just experienced the Holy Spirit uh, speaking and really experienced God affirming um, his call for my life to serve him as a missionary pilot. Um, and so um, I acted on that and applied for a missionary flight school, which some of you may know there's one in town here. Uh, and so that's what, what brought me to, to Ionia. Um, but before I got here, uh, my second year of college, my Kenyan friend David uh, tragically passed away in a, in a plane crash in Holland. Uh, and so that was a very, very difficult time. Um, he was my only link to missionary aviation, let alone aviation. And I uh, had a lot of questions for him. Um, and, you know, I was feeling pretty lost, uh, wrestling with God after his death and questioning his call on my life. Um, so felt pretty lost, um, but then I was thinking about David's life and, and what it meant. Um, and I, I thought, man, how cool it would be if I could one day go to Kenya and serve as a missionary pilot um, and do what he wanted to do, but never had the chance to do. Um, and so reflecting on his life and what it meant made me want to become a missionary pilot even more. Uh, primarily to serve serve the Lord, um, but also to, to carry on David's legacy in a way. Um, and so David introduced me to Kenyan culture, um, got a good taste of that, um, and really, yeah, enjoyed Kenyan culture through him. Um, and my wife also knew David, but separately initially. So, so they were also friends. So Hope College is kind of small, you know, they... Um, they were also friends, and um, then after um, David's death, um, there was a get-together, a celebration of life party. And so in African culture, it's common when somebody dies um, in a village, um, there is, depending on the, the importance of this person in the community, um, if it's a, a person with authority, there could be a week of celebrations every night where everyone comes to um, to the house of the uh, the family of the deceased person and just celebrates their life um, and so I, I really like that aspect of it it's not just a funeral but you know let's celebrate this person's life and what they did and uh, how they lived and so that's what what we were doing um, at this get-together and, and really celebrating David's life in the midst of, you know, the tragedy that it was. Um, and so that night, um, I was introduced to my wife. Um, that's where we met. Um, and so looking at David's life, uh, he also brought us together. Uh, and so it's just a really cool way um, that God worked through tragedy uh, to bring good good out of someone's death. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so then my, uh, my wife's story, um, she was, like I said, God was also stirring her heart for missions. Um, and she, uh, she 
came to Hope College and was kind of wrestling with um, uh, how to how to live out her faith. Um, and she took a class um, that focused a lot on global poverty and just you know what does poverty look like around the world. Um, physical poverty, but also spiritual poverty. Um, and so she realized that, man, there's so many people in this world that have not had a chance to hear about Jesus. Um, and so that really burdened her heart, and um, she didn't really know what to do with that, um, but that came kept coming back to her. Uh, God was stirring her heart uh, for, for missions and to see uh, all nations worship God. Um, and so then when we met um, early on in our relationship, um, we kind of established this, um, that, that God had called both of us to, to do missions and to uh, make his name known among the nations to the ends of the earth. Uh, and so, so we... Um, but we had student loans to pay off, so uh, we couldn't go right away, even though we wanted to. Um, and so, um, before we got married, I was here in Ionia, like I said, and uh, going through uh, the SMAT School of Mary Missionary Aviation Technology, their uh, flight program and uh, maintenance program. And uh, so becoming a, a pilot and mechanic, um, and uh, really such a great community over there. Um, and so grew a lot in my faith just in that community, but also here, as I mentioned, at, at the well. Uh, so special time for me looking back here in Ionia. Um, and then uh, we got married uh, shortly after that and moved to Kalamazoo. Uh, that's where I got a job as a flight instructor. Uh, so building flight experience. Uh, to uh, become a better pilot and, and prepare for overseas work. Um, and like I said, we had student loans to pay off. So we were kind of in this time of, you know, we know we, know we want to do this thing. We know God's placed this call in our life to, to serve overseas. Um, but we knew it was years away um, having student loan debt. Um, and so... Um, when we moved to Kalamazoo, it was really cool to see how God kept um, nurturing us and, and really um, leading us, nudging us to uh, keep keep on that track to, to move overseas. Um, and so a way he was doing that um, was through a couple that we met in Kalamazoo. So we moved there. <clears throat> we knew one couple. Uh, we went with them to their church. We were looking for a church, and uh, we signed up for small groups. And it was a pretty large church. They put us together with uh, 10 people just randomly. Um, not randomly, but it seemed like it was. Um, and so the the leaders of that group <clears throat> happened to be a couple um, who were on the path to serve in missionary aviation. And the guy was a mechanic. He had studied at uh, SMAT here in Ionia just a couple years prior to me being there. So we didn't know know each other. Uh, the wife <clears throat> was a nurse. My wife's a nurse. 
and she had grown up in Kenya, um, and they were um, on the path to to go back to Kenya um, a few few years down the road, and so um, it was really really a cool way that God just orchestrated that and uh, and put put them in our lives and. Through them, we got to learn about Africa Inland Mission uh, and AIM Air, which is the aviation part of part of that organization, uh, and really get a feel for for the culture. Um, and so uh, that was kind of the second um, second reason why we landed on on this organization. Uh, so part of it was David and just our. Um, experience with with Kenya um, and draw God call, drawing our uh, putting Kenya on our hearts um, the third aspect of okay, why Africa inland mission um, has to do with unreached people groups uh, and so maybe you've talked about that um, a little bit here the the, the past few weeks but um, <clears throat> Africa Inland Mission has a focus on reaching Africa's unreached people groups. So what do I mean by that? Um, there should be a slide here of uh, Africa. So there we go. Um, in um, sub-Saharan Africa, um, kind of in that, in that red, um, basically I've tried to capture the countries that AIM Air serves, and so that's where I'll be, where I'll be flying around to, uh, and serving, serving missionaries, serving pastors um, that live in remote villages. Uh, so a lot of the unreached people groups live in that area. Um, there's also a lot of unreached people groups in the very northern part, um, but those are kind of considered closed countries where um, um, you can't really get in as a missionary. There's a lot of Islam up there. Um, yeah, but so um, unreached people groups um, are defined as less than 2% evangelical Christians uh, make up that people group. And so as Joshua was mentioning, um, there are people groups or nations, you know, people that share the same culture, language, uh, that don't, because of there's less than 2% Christian, they probably have never heard the name of Jesus. There's no people sharing the name of Jesus. There's no reproducing churches. Um, and so God burdened our hearts for unreached people groups um, through a series of events, um, through a class called Perspectives. Um, that was a big part of it. And uh, yeah, there's there's missions that go to reached areas of the world. Uh, and that's certainly, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But when people, when there's, when you know there's people that have not heard, um, heard the name of Jesus that struggle with the same things that you and I struggle with on a daily daily basis, uh, and they don't have the hope of Christ. Um, that really burdened our hearts um, and really aligned with Africa Inland Mission's vision of um, bringing the hope to uh, to the unreached people of Africa. And so, 
aim air is where we come in. Um, and so I'll be serving as a pilot and mechanic and primarily serving Africa Inland Mission, um, their pastors, their church planters, their frontline missionary workers that are trying to establish connections with rem in remote villages with people groups. Um, and ultimately, when they've done so, um, if the people group, if the village invite them, invites them to live with them, to do so effectively and establish <clears throat> a reproducing indigenous church in that village. Um, and so um, I'll be able to do so by providing supplies for them to live effectively in, in those villages, uh, medical supplies, food supplies, um, flying missionaries where they need to go, pastors, um, doing evacuation flights for medical reasons or political unrest sometimes too, um, and really, uh, really supporting their work in, um, in multiplying churches and making disciples uh, among these, these villages. And so in Africa, um, <clears throat> along the equator there, there's uh, dry season and there's rainy season. So during rainy season, um, which is about five, six months out of the year, to these um, remote villages, there might be one dirt road, you know, going into this village. During rainy season, that, that could be cut off for months on end. And then so the airplane then is the only way in and out of the village. And so the airplane is a very effective tool <clears throat> in showing people, um, meeting people's physical needs, but also spiritual needs. Uh, and so um, one of the things I look forward to most uh, with flying into these villages um, is um, delivering, delivering scripture in, in their own language um, that they've never had before. And, and so that's part of what Africa Inland Mission does. Um, they have Bible translators that um, after a church has been established, um, and if the, if the community is literate, there is a lot of illiteracy, but if the community is literate, um, then translating uh, the Bible, and it starts usually with you know one book, uh, the book of Gospel of Mark or something like that, translating that into their own language uh, so that they can make the gospel their own. Uh, and I just think that's, uh, that's a, a beautiful thing. Um, and so that's, uh, so that's what we'll be doing. Um, Erica will not be flying airplanes, thank goodness. Now, I've actually never seen her fly an airplane, so maybe she is really good, but um, she'll be homeschooling the, uh, our two boys for a few years. Um, so she, she's been focused on preparing for that. Um, we will be based in Kenya, uh, so kind of the top right corner there of your map, um, in, in the capital city of Nairobi. So that's where AIM Air's base is. And so we'll be joining about 25 other families that serve with AIM Air there. Um, and so a lot of young families and, and young kids. Um, and so we're excited to, um, not only for, for the mission and purpose, you know, of being there, but, but also joining 
joining in the, the team that, that we're joining um, and being excited about that. Um, so kind of a, and that's important, uh, having a, a home away from your home culture um, when everything's new. So <clears throat> I want to show you guys a video here of uh, the AIM Air day-to-day -day operations and kind of what that looks like so you get a good good feel for that. So we can roll that video whenever it's ready. An AIM Air pilot is simply that of a servant. Missionary aviation is a way to combine what I have found to be a love for flying, a love for being around airplanes, with doing something that's pretty important. On a daily basis, I get to go out into remote areas and serve people that the Bible would describe as men and women of whom the world is not worthy. Out there on the front lines, living in some extremely difficult areas, Most of the airstrips in which we land and take off at are mud, dirt, grass. The airstrip is the culmination of my day. My gifts and skills have brought me and my load of supplies to serve a work that I can only catch a glimpse of. This is the place where my ministry meets mine. The airstrip is in my backyard. It's a doorway, a link between our remote village and the rest of the world. It's an avenue for transportation and supplies and a contingency plan in case of an emergency. So our goal here is to spend time with the Samburu people, get to know them, understand their culture, and our ultimate goal is to lead them to Jesus. Now we know that they're a nomadic group of people and so they tend to pass information through stories and that's the, that's the method we use. We go through the Bible using stories. I didn't believe, you know, such a thing can become so much improved in our lives that it changed us even. It's been exciting to see what God has done here since we've been here. We've seen our church grow, we've seen People change their lives. This church represents what God is doing all over Africa, joined by countless missionaries like myself, in countless places where a little stretch of runway set beside a remote village provides an open door to bring help and the good news of Jesus Christ to people in need. My wife 
Bueno, no hay planes. Our ministry is not about what we do. The heart of our ministry is in joining God in what He's doing in Africa. What He is doing in Africa and in the lives of the African people. Yeah, so we really, um, we really agree with uh, what he was saying there at the end that uh, we want to join in God, join in with God and what he is doing in Africa and uh, not focus on so much on what we're doing, but be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit leading us to go and, 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 uh, and what to do? Um, and that kind of um, rings true, too, for, as Joshua was mentioning, um, what's your part in going and making disciples of all nations? Um, my family and I are going overseas, um, and so we're going, but there's a sending, sending role. Uh, and so... For the past year, we've been building a team um, around us to lift us up in prayer as we make preparations, as we go, uh, and that will continue to pray for us uh, when, we're, when we're overseas in a new culture, learning a new language, um, and, and trying to, to minister uh, in a cross-cultural setting. Um, and so, uh, so we want to extend that invitation to you as a church body um, to pray for us. Um, and uh, another way uh, that you can send us is partnering uh, finan financially as well. Um, and so we're raising monthly, um, we have monthly ministry costs that, um, that we need to raise. And so that's been part of our preparation process um, is um, having partnership um, meetings with with people and in churches uh, and kind of sharing what what we're doing and asking if people would be um, willing to partner with us like the guy said in the video in what God is doing in Africa uh, and that you can have a part to play in that um, by sending um, and so um, regarding our finances, just to give you a picture, uh, we're at about 70% of our monthly ministry costs. So praise God for that. Um, we have a deadline of February where we have to be at, at 100%. Um, so I worked, um, worked my last day at my day job in October. And so now we're just doing this uh, full-time, preparing and, and trying to get uh, get all our preparations done so we can um, hit the ground running in, in March and uh, do some training in North Carolina, some aviation training there, and then, Lord willing, move overseas to Kenya in July um, next summer. Um, so part of the, the, the preparation, um, the preparations that we've been doing is also selling our house. So last weekend we moved out of our house um, We've been paring down a lot of our belongings, uh, so kind of in a temporary apartment now um, before we move to North Carolina temporarily. Um, and so 
in a big time of transition, um, but it's been good. Um, we've God has been has been faithful, and and that's something that we've um, had to lean into. Um, and uh, we've been taking some online Bible classes, uh, doing some spiritual mentoring, um, and that's been really helpful. Just to look at, you know, what. Uh, what spiritual disciplines am I practicing in, in my own life? What spiritual disciplines work for me? Uh, what spiritual disciplines connect me with God? Um, and so, and that looks different for everyone. Um, and over, over in Kenya, we won't have a Western church like this to go to uh, and a, a great pastor to listen to like Joshua. Um, we, we will have to find other ways to uh, make sure we grow um, grow in our faith and, and walk day, daily with, with the Lord, right? Uh, and so, so that's been, been very good and, and encouraging. Uh, and some, we've been doing some cultural training too, um, and more will be had once we get to, to Africa. Um, but I wanted to uh, leave you guys with, with some scripture that's been really encouraging to us um, lately and, and really keeps us going. Um, so this is from Revelation 7, verse 9 to 10. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. And they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. But we have, to, we have some work to do before that can happen, before every language, every people can, be, um, can know the name of Jesus and be, be there in heaven with us. Um, so... We'll be, we'll be available um, after the service to, to ch chat more with you, and we'd love to connect with you. Um, so please stop and say hi. And um, Yeah, is it all right if I close with some prayer, or do you want to take it from here, Josh? share real quick before we before we pray um pray over you um you know there there are multiple places throughout the new testament where we are told um and, and commanded no it's perfectly fine uh where we are told and commanded um that that we are we are to continue on as the body of christ in making disciples and uh we were called to be missional um both here locally and globally and god is not going to send every single one of us overseas uh, but we have an opportunity uh, to invest into, um, into this young couple and this, this family. Uh, we have an opportunity to pray with them and for them. Um, and we also have an opportunity uh, to be able to give. And we're going to be challenging the church um, here in the next week or so uh, to begin to give specifically to missions, the, the work of missions. Um, giving a few dollars every single month um, is, is what we should be doing uh, so that that money can go directly out onto the mission field uh, where there are people serving uh, the Lord in conditions that we probably will never know nothing about. Um, and so um, 
here's a young couple who has an opportunity to go and we want to be able to partner uh, with them uh, so that they can go. And so I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to quickly, you're good. You're good. I will just pray with him. (laughs) So um, I'm going to actually just have you standing right here next to me, Nick. Um, I'm going to pray uh, with Nick for for the the remainder of this time as you you finish up your preparations as you uh, get ready to move and then move again just a few months later uh, and then over the work that God is going to have you guys do um, and if there is anyone um, who would like to come and stand um, in the gap as well I'm not going to make you pray I'm just going to pray um, but I'm going to just pray with you um, close and then I've got an announcement real quick uh, before we jet and so uh, God we come to you right now Lord and we thank you for um, young men and, and, and women who um, have become so sold out for you, Lord, that like we've been learning, they've been so gripped by your message. They've been so um, so guided by the Spirit, Lord, that they, uh, they would uproot their, their comfort here uh, to go overseas, to, to make an impact uh, for your kingdom and for your glory. And so, God, I'm, I'm praying uh, that you would give them strength and courage as they begin this next step of the process, as they they've, are about to uproot and move to another state for more training. God, that you would give them strength uh, to get through that, that you would give them clarity of mind, that they would be able to get through and, and process everything that they need to. Uh, but Lord, as they begin to navigate the move going overseas with a family and two young uh, young children, Lord, I pray uh, for spiritual uh, mentors to surround them. I pray for, uh, for people uh, who have walked this road to be able to be an encouragement, uh, that that family there um, at AIM in Kenya, where they will be at, uh, will be able to surround them and that they, they will be an extension of family, Lord, to be able to lift them up. God, we are told that we are to encourage or exhort one another as long as it's called today. And so, Lord, I pray for people that will encourage them, that will spur them on, that they would continue to press into you in this process, Lord, that there would be boldness to proclaim your, uh, your truth as, as they meet people who have never even heard of you. And so, Lord, I pray that we as a church can surround them, that we can love them, we can support them through prayer, but also financially, Lord, as they, as they go from here. Help us to be um, a source of, of hope and love um, and ministry to them um, as they are overseas and that uh, this, this friendship would begin to develop and, and deepen with our church as, as they go and do your work, Lord. Help us to, to be partners of the gospel for your name's sake. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Thank you so much, everyone. So Nick will be available... Um, in the back there, you can stop and you can uh, talk with them, get some more information. I know they've got a bunch of cool stuff laying out on the table back there um, and whatnot. So uh, please, before you leave today, make sure um, you go and um, you stop by that table. So now, uh, church family, um, I am here today because I need to make a, an announcement to you of some things that have been going on. Um, here behind the scenes, some things that there are a few people here in the church that are aware of. Um, and uh, the reason why I'm letting you know uh, this information is because I want to, uh, one, uh, make you aware. Um, two, um, I'm asking uh, for prayer for our church and for our family. Um, and three, um, to encourage you. Um, several weeks ago, Um, I uh, had to go to the doctor because I was having some health issues and problems. 
um, and they found a tumor on my spine um, several weeks ago um, that I had to go and have a biopsy done. Um, and we found out about three weeks ago that um, I had a malignant tumor um, over top of my L4 and L5. Um, I'm going to try to get through this. Um, so, um, I thank you, Travis. Um, I had to begin to see an oncologist so that they could find out um, the extensive damage um, as I was having a lot of pain, um, a lot of nerve pain. Um, that's why if you see me limping around, um, it's because of that. Um, after they did the biopsy, they, uh, they wanted to go in to make sure that I had no cancer anywhere else because uh, the tumor that I have is typically a secondary cancer. It doesn't form and develop on its own. Um, and so I went in uh, this past Monday, a week ago tomorrow, for a PET scan so they could scan me from head to toe. Um, they found a second mass um, on my prostate, uh, which I go in tomorrow for a biopsy, but they believe uh, that that is the main or primary source of cancer. Um, at this time, they do not know uh, what stage cancer I have, and so I, don't, I do not know moving forward what uh, a course of treatment will be at this time. Um, but church, I wanted to let you know how much I love each and every one of you. Um, God brought us here, um, almost a year ago, uh, for a purpose, for a plan. Um, God ordained and orchestrated that my family would be here in this place. And so I wholeheartedly believe that the work is not done. Um, I don't know what the next several months is going to look like for my family, um, and there may be Sundays where I'm not standing in this pulpit, but I'm going to do everything by the strength that God gives to me to preach the gospel every Sunday that I'm here because he's placed a call on my life and that's to preach and teach God's word. And so church, I need you to know and understand that even if I am not in the pulpit, that the work continues on. There, there are things that need to be done here in this city like we were singing just a little bit ago, greater things are yet to come. Greater things still need to be done here. And so church, um, I don't know how I'm going to be impacted by treatment. I don't know what things gonna, are going to look like in the future, but I need to know that I need you to know um, that um, I will be here um, until I can no longer be here. Um, God has called me here. I'm not stepping away from being your pastor. Um, God, God wants me to be here uh, to walk with you guys through this because I need you um, and my family needs you to walk with us through this as well. And so I know there are a lot of unknown variables. I know there are a lot of questions that you probably have as, as do we um, have a lot of questions. Um, but I want you to know that this is very scary for our family. We have four beautiful children and I want more than anything in the world to watch them grow up. I want more than anything in the world to be able to walk my daughters down the aisle one day to give them away to somebody else. I would love for, for nothing else to see 
Let my sons grow up and be godly leaders in their homes. But I don't know if that's what God wants. I don't know if that's what God's will is for our family. All we know is that the day that he gives us is the day that we've been blessed with and we've been given new mercy for this day. And so as long as I've been given new mercy, I will continue to, to, to bring truth forth for God's sake because I want God to be glorified through whatever pain and suffering I have for his name. And so church, I love you. Um, we are here. Um, please don't shy away from reaching out. Um, we continue to pray for each and every one of you by name every week because we love you and we want what's best for you and we want, we want you to grow in your relationship with the Lord and to have a deeper understanding of biblical things because we want you to go and make disciples. We want you to impact your circles of influence here. And so things may look different over the next several months and so we're just asking for you to please bear, bear with us um, as we go from here um, and know that um, that I'm going to fight Thank you, Travis. And so I'm actually going to ask at this time if our, if our discernment team and our prayer team would just come uh, to the platform. They've, been, they've asked if they can pray over me. Um, and so we're going to allow for that to happen. And once that is done, um, I'm going to um, just send us from here. Um, I will be around and available um, if you do want to, uh, to talk um, or to connect. Um, but church, no, uh, please know that I love you. Um, and that we're still here um, through all of this. So, Kim, I'm going to ask you to uh, go ahead and start us off. And if there's anyone else who wants to pray. And so whenever, um, whenever I want to pray, I ask Holy Spirit, show me, lead me. What scripture... What word can I stand on and believe? What promise? And so just, I don't know, the last three days, just going over all the scripture. And, and when Rick was had his five-pound mass, I just, Charles Stanley, which I, I never even turned the TV on, but he's like, you know, faith is really about just thinking about what you believe. 
And I thought, oh, okay, that's simple. So um, when Rick left, um, and the guy said, oh, yes, yes, this is a five-pound tumorous mass. I said, I guess it's time to walk out what we say we believe in. And so all that said, um, I'm asking this church to be the Moses, as Moses um, was attempting to lead and to pray and to lift his hand and sent Joshua out to fight the Amalekites. He was fighting the battle before us. So he had her on one side and Aaron on the other, and they would lift his hands up. I'm asking that we could be that, and we would be that. And your prayer can be little. God's listening to your heart. There are incorrect prayers, yes. But if you want to know what to pray, please look in the Bible. There, in the New Testament, Paul says over and over and over, pray this, pray for open doors, pray for this, pray, deliver him from the evil one, pray for wisdom, pray for peace, pray. So those are the things we can pray, little or big. Study prayer. I mean, now's our opportunity. He's preaching on prayer and going to teach us the beginning of the year. And I thought, well, gee, so my heart is crying out to God for, I know this isn't a teaching moment, but this is what I know. How can two walk together unless they agree? Where two or more are gathered, when two agree, we can come against those things. We can believe. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God, reading prayer, studying prayer, praying in a group. There isn't a, there isn't a perfect, um, except for Jesus, prayer. Um, we, we need each other. And so, Father, I, I have battled since I heard this as the Shunammite woman who had the promise of a son. We've prayed and prayed. We've had groups. We've had, we've lost pastors. We've had pastors leave. You started the church. Um, Bruce and the group gave the church. This is what I pray, Father God. We link, prayers don't end and they don't expire. So we link arms, Father, with all of those. We link arms that we want your word to go forth. We love each other. We're a church body. You brought us this shepherd and his wife and his family. And so, Father, we are responsible for lifting him up. We are responsible for helping and loving him and each other. And we have, Travis is right, I can recount the, the many things that um, the doctor said would not and could not be. And guess what? Um, Jehovah Rapha, you have the final say always, and our eyes are fixed on you. Your promises, um, we believe you and we believe your word, and I thank you, thank you, Father, for the doctors that are treating him. Thank you for medical care. Thank you for America, who does have blessed medical care. But I'm asking that you... You teach us what we need to know. Search our hearts. Let our faith grow. Let our faith rise. That we would not be unbelieving. That um, we would not waver. That we would be strong and loving. And trust in you more so than man. We trust in you. And so I lift him up, Father, for strength, for peace, for healing, for unity, for wisdom. I lift this church body up to you and ask, be in our midst, talk to us, comfort us as only you can, and show us what to do for them. How can we love them like you do through us? In Jesus' name.
Lord, the enemy would have us at this point uh, be fearful, but your word, your word promises that you haven't given us a spirit of fear, Lord. Your word promises that perfect love casts out fear. So I would just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill each and every one of us with that perfect love, that uh, we would not be fearful, but we would lean on you, Holy Spirit, to uh, support them both and their family, give them strength, and we uh, just pray your healing power upon them, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Father, I just thank you for Josh and for Bree and for bringing them to us and uh, for just uh, knowing that of the hundreds that we're seeking here, uh, you brought Josh here to us, you brought his family here. And Lord, we just know that you're done, your work is not done, and this city still needs you, and we're still going to just ask your blessing on the whole situation. Lord, I just, I just ask for healing on these tumors, and Lord, I just ask you to continue to have us walk in, walk in your way, in Jesus' name. Father, there are so many examples of and uses of, of descriptions of battles in the Bible. And Lord, this is a battle. And I pray right now for everyone who's on the front lines, Father, that you give them the strength, the, the peace, and anything they need to walk through this. And for those of us who are standing around behind, Lord, help us to just say to the enemy, no, no. You have no dominion here because the Lord of heaven loves us. Go away. No more attack. And we just pray for angels to surround Josh and Bree and the kids this church, this city, this world, Lord, help us to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, church, we do um, have one um, big request um, we just ask at this time um, that you refrain from having communications about this with our children. Um, our oldest does know the depth of what is going on, but the other, the others do do not understand um, at this time. Um, so I'm just asking if if you would please, um, for the sake of our children at this moment. Um, we, as, as the parents, will, will decide what to share and when to share it. Um, we, we know that this is a difficult time. We know this probably has caught you all off, off guard, as it did us. Um, but if I could just encourage you um, with a Bible verse as I send you out today. Uh, the Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1.9, Be strong and courageous and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. 
And so it doesn't matter what steps you take. As long as you are seeking the Lord, um, we can be strong and courageous because of the Spirit within us. And we, we, we can overcome despair and dismay uh, by recalling and recounting truth. And so remember the truths that you've been taught. Think on the things that are pure and lovely, the things that are praiseworthy. Uh, think on those things. Paul tells us not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let requests be made known unto God. And it says, in the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So the linchpin for us as believers is Christ. And so church, I love you. Uh, We're here for you. Uh, We're still praying for you. We look forward to continuing on with you here. I look forward to seeing you back next week. We thank you so much for joining us online and in person. Uh, We love you guys, and you are sent.